Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast of DigitallyDownloaded.net. I am Alan, I'm going to be your host for this evening slash morning slash afternoon, and with me today, I have Matt, the Editor-in-Chief of Digitally Downloaded. Hello, Matt. Yo! Hello. Hi. We also have Trent. Hello, Trent. Hello. And Harvard as well. Yo, good morning. Hi. Um, bit of a summer note to start off with, but given the uh, current landscape of the game industry at the moment, um, really easy statement, believe victims. Um, they don't lie, usually. Um, believe them, please. So Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's pretty sucky at the moment. Um, anybody mm. who's tuned into the community side of the games industry would know that um, there's been all kinds of... Um, revelations that have come out over the last couple of days as we record this and i'm sure it's going to continue on for the next period of time because um there's a lot of uh, victims unfortunately that need to come out and we should all believe them as a just as a, a basic rule <laughs> because um yeah it's 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 a tough time so unfortunately yeah. unfortunately it has hit close to home for a lot of us and yeah, it's um, it's not good, but we are definitely on the side of all the victims here at digitallydownloaded.net, and we believe them. So, hell, we have to make that statement. Hell yeah, dude. Um, so we have a as is a monthly podcast is a thing now. We do have a lot to get through. Um, I'm not going to waste any more time on uh, me shit talking and starting idiot conversations because I'm sure I'll do that later anyway. Um. We are going to go straight to music, Matt. What, what Miku song? It's good Miku music. <laughs> it's great Miku music. No, oh, you love it. Say the song name. I'm sick of writing it down. Just tell me. <laughs> um, let's let's go with. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll pick hungry, one. It's hungry hippos. Miku is song. Be a cover. No, it's going to be it's going to be a good song. Um, but you'll have to you'll just have to figure out which one it is for yourself because I don't know yet. But I'll choose and uh, yeah. no, I'm no, I'm gonna choose it and I'll just say what it is. It's gonna be one of the ones I've downloaded already. <laughs> <laughs>
that so because it's the monthly podcast we are going to be talking about the games coming out this month i'm now going to hand over to matt because he's got a big old list of games that he's going to talk about about coming out in this month going to talk about games in this month yeah i do there's a lot of stuff happening there's a lot of games coming out isn't there it's like june was the relatively quiet month but it's all gone to hell and back again next month we're all going to be playing a lot of stuff um Let's run through the list and then we'll get everybody's picks of the month as usual. Let's start with um, let's start with the PlayStation. What's coming out on PlayStation next month? First up, we have Minecraft Dungeons Jungle Awakens. That comes out on July 1. Um, oh, can I we talk know. about that more very Minecraft- quickly? It's more the Minecraft- worst game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> more Minecraft Dungeons. Isn't that just like a Diablo thing? But Minecraft? Minecraft. So bad. Isn't so bad? Okay, cool. Um, let's skip that one then. Marvel's Iron Man VR. If you have a PlayStation VR headset, then you get to play the Sony exclusive VR thingy with the Iron Man. Uh, the dude that dies in Avengers. Spoiler! Um, <laughs> I just I just ruined that for somebody, I'm pretty sure. Uh, somebody wow. was definitely... Someone was definitely holding on to the Avengers just to wait to watch it down the track. Well, he, he dies. I, well, you I'm didn't say which I, movie, so it's fine. <laughs> the most recent one <laughs> it's okay That's right. Captain America will go back to another parallel universe where Matt hasn't said that spoiler yeah that's exactly right and he'll beat me up um, so I don't say it in the future and then I don't ruin the Avengers for somebody let's move on um, F1 2020 comes out on July 6th if you like your vroom vrooms then you're going to enjoy that one I'm pretty sure F1's a pretty reliable series these days I do like the vrooms um, speaking of Vroom Vrooms, uh, NASCAR Heat 5 comes out on July 7. If you like turning left, then NASCAR's for you. Moving on, July 9 has CrossCode, which looks pretty decent. That's um, that's an RPG thing by Deck 13. They're a talented outfit. Uh, we're moving on further. We've got Void Terrarium. I don't know nice. How to nice. That's a game that I would make up. <laughs> yeah, well, if you look at the way it's spelled, um, it, it's one of those games. Um, that's, uh, that's Nikonichi's latest one by, um, the guys, I think that's the same development team as, oh, what's the name of it? I can't remember the name of it, but they've done a couple of Vita platformer things, they're really good. Anyway, that comes out on July 14. Uh, also on July 14 is Kingdom Majestic, which is the latest in that Kingdom simulation 2D, um, side-scrolling simulation series that comes out on July 14 as well. Uh, Rabbit Rabbit's Radical <laughs> Rabbit Rabbit Radical Rabbit Stew comes out on July 16. Have no idea what that is, but it's a cool name, so I like it. Um, July 17 brings Ghost of Tsushima, which I'm sure we'll be talking about plenty down the track. I can't talk about it right now, uh, because embargoes and stuff, but it's coming, and we'll definitely be talking about that one. July 21 brings Rock of Ages 3 Make and Break. If you hell like. yeah, 
Yeah, Rock of Ages is great. We all love Rock of Ages. If you haven't played one of those before, you owe it to yourself to play it. It's like Tower Defense meets Monkey Ball, and it is as nuts as it sounds. It's great. Um, what else we got? Dying Light Hellraid comes out on July 23. Is that like a new Dying Light or something? I don't no, know. Dying Light doesn't exist anymore, so I'm resigned. It's not a real game. Okay. Right, okay. Um, Samurai Showdown Neo Geo Collection comes out on July 28, if you like your classic fighters. They are good fighting games. That one. Oh, those are yeah. games. You'll enjoy that one. That's a whole collection of them. Destroy All Humans comes out on July 28. Hell yeah, nice. brother. That's good fun. No, no, it's the remake of the first it's one. The, it's the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, but for Destroy All Humans. <laughs> We're really living in the noughties again right now. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's a, it's a full remake of the Destroy All Humans original, which is great because uh, Destroy All Humans is good fun. Very good B-grade sci-fi nonsense, and deliberately so, of course, and good. It's excellent. Uh, and then, finally, for the PlayStation, on July 30, there's the first proper expansion, I guess, for Neo 2, which is the Tingu's Disciple. If you um, haven't played Neo, you probably should, and then you can get yourself ready for the expansion, which will be great. Over on Nintendo Switch. So that was just PlayStation. Just <laughs> a lot of games. It's a big month. Um, over on the Switch... What else have we got that we haven't already covered? Just running through it. Um, there is... Catherine Full Body comes out on July 7. If you haven't played that for some reason in the past, then the Switch is your way to play, I guess. You can play it on the train and weird everybody out. Um, it's not really a very portable-friendly public playing public game, is it? But you can do that as of July 7. Um... On July 10, there's a certain game by a certain fella that we all like. Deadly Premonition 2 comes out July 10. Yay! That's so soon. I'm so so excited. That's going to be a game and a half. Swear he's out, man. He's back. 13 days to play the first one. Yes. Well, you absolutely should. I've got to play the first one then. (laughs) The first one is kind of a nightmare to play. I'm going to be honest with you. But that's totally the point, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, no game apart from Pathologic has made me, like, just concerned for my own psyche. You know? I like it. It's good shit. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it continues on with the whole uh, Twin Peaks, the game vibe that the original had. Uh, I'm assuming it does, and that'll be good. Uh, there's, a, there's, like, a two-minute conversation about cookies in that game which is just thrown in yep. at random it's full of all kinds of surreal stuff i love it i just love deadly premonition i can't wait to see that same thing happen with the sequel i'm sure it'll be good um also in july for the switch on july 14 story of seasons friends of mineral town which i am playing at the moment that's a, a preview of a spoon isn't it yeah, see, so yeah. Harvest Moon is, uh, isn't is Harvest Moon anymore. There is a Harvest Moon in the West, but it's a different one. They have this big licensing thing, and all the Harvest Moon games that you know and love are now Friends of Mineral... Oh, sorry, uh, Story of Seasons games. So it's a split franchise. Harvest Moon is bad these days, but it's not the Harvest Moon that you remember. Harvest Moon that's good is now Story of Seasons, which is all very confusing. But Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town, is a remake of a GBA uh, Harvest Moon. Oh, it actually and... is, dude. Friends of Mineral Town was so good back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but AOL it's, it's... was better. No, but Friends of Mineral Town is 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 uh, 
it's the one that most people would say is the top of the series. So Excellent. yeah, and and I'm a couple of hours into my preview of it. I can't talk too much about it other than to say that I really love it. So yeah, definitely look forward to the review of that and make sure that you put a little bit of money aside to buy it because it will consume you, especially if you're a fan of Animal Crossing and looking to level up. Uh, um, Matt, that, that is skirting dangerously close to the to the to the old uh, uh, embargo. Well, it's a preview. Okay. Ah, it's a preview, so I'm allowed to say if I like the preview part or not. I can't say just how far in I am <laughs> to to say that, but uh, yeah, it's a preview. Like a plus, if the game's based off the original game, like, would it, if the original game's good, surely you can say that, unless you really fuck it up, like, the the like the remake's gonna be good. Alright, so, basically, if you're listening to this right now, it means that no one cares, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> including, including probably the publisher, since, yeah, I'm, I'm, say, I'm saying nice things, it's not like I'm talking about, oh, I better not, actually. Um, but it's not like I'm talking about certain other games. The Last and, of Us 2. <laughs> yeah, well, I can talk about that one now, that game's shit, that is terrible, don't play that one, hey, unless Matt, you want to, want to be your, miserable without reason. Matt, isn't your favourite part of video games when... Your your character just like just eats a pile of blood. Just they just eat a lot of blood in front of you. And it makes sad. <laughs> Doesn't make you yeah, sad. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was I was rooting I was rooting for the clickers to be honest. Um, moving on. On July seventeenth, Nintendo's got a game coming out in July. Uh, Paper Mario: The Origami King, which should be fun. Oh, that was quick. That's a reliable series. No, no, it's not. What are you talking about? It, yeah, it's not a reliable oh, series at all. Hopefully, the, they, they go back to the GBC days. Did you play this? Did you play the that? Only, that game sucked ass. The only Paper Mario that's a bad one is that Wii U one. So. Other no, than that, the better than Star. I don't know what you're talking about. Not all the games what? are going to be Thousand Year Doors. What, what is it? Thousand Door something. Thousand yeah, Year Door one. Year door. Yes. That's the good one. No, nah, that's they're, the crap. They're, they're all good. They're all good. <laughs> no, they're man. all good. End of story. Putting my foot down. Moving on. Um, July 28th, we have Mega Dimension Neptunius VII coming out on the Switch, which is cool. I like my Neptunia series, and having that on the go will be good. Um, I don't the same thing, do I? No, you don't. You, it's definitely not for you, Alan, but it is a good game. <laughs> I like me and like it. Um, July 31 has Castle Storm 2, I believe, on the Switch. Castle Storm, pretty good. Castle Storm 2 should be pretty good. That's the kind of tower defensey thing, but action by um, the Zen pinball people. So it's pretty... The, the original was decent, so that should be fun. And then finally, on July 31, we have Fairy Tale, which is a licensed JRPG, but it's been developed by the um, the Gust, the, the developers behind the Atelier series in Gust. And yeah, that should be pretty good. I'm not... I'm not that familiar with Fairy Tale, the anime property, but I'm certainly keen on playing anything that Gust creates. So, should be should be pretty good. And that's basically. Has, has anyone else got like a trillion ads for that game? No, that's just you. I've just seen it everywhere. Like Fairy Tale, the game everywhere. Well, they they are pushing it pretty hard. Um, to be fair, the ads but, that I get are always like 
can you wait to spend money at $69 casino? That's, that's all my ads. It's really great. I really like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I just know uh, those the manga ads on Twitter. Moving on. Um, Trent, what, what, game are you look, what, what game are you looking forward to most this month? This coming I'm month? still what playing is... Animal Crossing, so I'm looking forward to the patch which introduces swimming and diving. Oh, yes, that does come next month. That's actually a deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, probably Paper Mario. I mean, I was going to say the DLC for Smash Bros. is mine. Like oh what is that, that's is that the the stupid armsy Arms. character? Yeah, it's Min Min. Uh, boring. It's gonna be fun. She looks extremely annoying to play against. I'm gonna hate her, but also like hell yeah, dude. It's not actually Miku. I'm not playing Smash until Miku is added to the roster. That's it. I've, so Matt's I've never told Smash Bros. <laughs> yep, that's it. I've told Nintendo my opinions on this, so they need to listen to me if they want me to play. Well, Smash the gamer Bros. Have a theory that it's going to be all women. Um, street like pass pack thing, so maybe there would be Miku. I don't think that's gonna happen. Maybe it will happen. Instead of doing that, you have Miku. That would be like rage, like people would rage quit on the internet. Oh, he's so good. Or it could be like, I I would also be happy if it was like a dead or alive character just because Koei Tecmo and Nintendo are pretty close. It'd be pretty awesome to have like one uh, a, no. a or something added to the roster just because it would piss Alan off something severe. No, because it should be Ryu still have... It should be Hayabusa or it should be Fatal Frame League. <laughs> it should really be Ryu Hayabusa. Just like, they can put in a dead alive character and make it be one of the dudes. <laughs> that would be so angry. No, like, yeah, it, should be, it should be Mio, what the hell her name is from Fatal Frame 1. Is it Mio? Oh, oh, shit. That's Mio and Mayu is Fatal Frame 2, right? Yeah, but Fatal Frame 2 is already in Smash Brothers. Because no, that's Fatal Frame tro- 5. Fatal Frame 5 is the, is the trophy. That's like trophy gate, like trophy lady. No, no, no. It's, are you sure? I'm yeah, thought yeah. it was 2. Yeah, it's, no, made it's, two. it's made in the black water. That's in Smash Bros. Are you 100% sure? I'm like 90%. I'm going to check it right now just to be safe. Yeah, you better Smash check this. I was pretty Bros. sure it was Fatal Frame 2, um, Project Zero 2. Anyway, moving on. Harvard, what's your pick for the month? Three uh, Kozukata occurs as an assist trophy. I was right. He's done it. Okay, well, mm. you yeah, play, I'll you play for the game you. Oh no! So it. Maya appears in Smash for Wii U and 3DS. Ah, okay. And there you go. Yuri comes in to Smash Ulti. That's the that's the difference. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Moving on, Harvard. What's your <laughs> pick for the month? I really haven't thought this through. I don't think I'm going to get anything new this month, to be honest. Like, there's a lot of good big games, but nothing seems on my on my radar. Uh, I, I do want to throw out that June 29 is the 20th anniversary of Jet Set Radio, and I am, fingers crossed, Yo. something's going to happen, but probably no, nothing's no. going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, probably nothing. And They're I'll not play the Steam version on my computer. That series is dead. Oh, actually, I did forget to mention one other thing that's coming out since we are talking about DLCs. And thanks, Trent, for giving me the segue and the opportunity to talk about DLCs. Uh, the season pass for Hatsune Miku on Switch starts. The second season pass starts. I know. Oh, it's July my fault too. you're talking about Miku now. So now I can talk about Miku. Out. Well, the game's out, yeah, but now the second season pass starts. So you'll get another 30 odd songs um, and lots oh, more costumes and all the I'm other good stuff. Just... It'll be added to your Switch what? game. And it's awesome. <laughs> 
Matt, are you trying to kill me? It's excellent. It's excellent content, Alan, and it's not, you know, I, I keep trying to enlighten you, but you just never listen. I listened to you. I've listened to you. Hey, Matt, are they making you rebuy a future tone songs? Well, yeah, I guess so. But. Oh, okay. It's on Switch now. And. <laughs> it's it's portable and it has a new visual engine. So it's not really the same as Future Tone. It's a, it's a, it's a new game. So. No, Harvard is disappointed. We can move on now. I mean, did you did you like did, did you say to all the Animal Crossing people you're just playing Animal Crossing again, or? Yes, I think everyone <laughs> did. Yes. So you know, if if it's good for Animal Crossing, it's good for Miku. And I I tell you what, I'd rather thirty more songs than the ability to swim around like a dude. Um, like a dude. Yeah, but you can like catch fish too. You can catch fish. You can already do that in Animal Crossing. Yeah, yeah but could... in the water, you can go, like, you can serve, like, catching a fish, like a shark. You can be like, I'm going to just pick up a shark. And, like, sea creatures, like, little suckily things, starfish. Oh, yeah. I hope not. No, you I really just... shouldn't do that in real life. No, I'm going to pick you up on that. Little suckily things. I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst sentence I've heard in a while. Suckily things? No. <laughs> Do not like that. That's terrifying. <laughs> but also, I know exactly what you mean. And it's a really good description. <laughs> oh, God. Matt, what's your, anyway. favorite, what's your favorite game for this month, apart from Hatsune Miku DLC? <laughs> well, I like Anim uh, Animal Crossing. <laughs> no, Harvest, the... <laughs> Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon is definitely... Um, whatever they're called, Story of Seasons. I always think Harvest Moon, but Story of Seasons, that's the one I'm probably going to play the most in the end, simply because those things are such a time sink. And yeah, I've already sunk a lot of time in, into it. So yeah, really, really like that game. Looking forward to actually talking about it in full with peoples, but also Deadly Premonition too, of course. I do like some surreal horror and I'm sure Swery's going to deliver big time with that one. So it's going to be a very heavy switch playing month for me because over on the PlayStation, there's only really Ghost of Tsushima. And well, I can't talk about that one yet, but I will. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, then. I will. you know what? There we go. You know what? That's the end of the segment. <laughs> Moving on. I, like, I always like how Alan has to cut segments short because otherwise I start going into the... Because um, I don't want to break, have to Because <laughs> I start to break him, but I start to break embargoes and get, I'll get him sued. So, um, yeah. A, po a podcast counts. How many times embargoes have we broken? <laughs> but honestly, there have been times when I've looked at this podcast while editing it and been like, is this allowed? <laughs> Most of the time it's not, but it's can we, okay. Can we do the, Ok the Okami soundtrack, please? If you want to, because vaguely like... related to Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, because it's better. <laughs> I should make it clear. I don't own the game. I have nothing to go off. <laughs> that out. So Alan's not actually breaking embargo. He's just reading the notes I'm that I'm passing him. Wait, no, I'm saying the saying the quiet thing out loud uh, there. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. What are you talking about? Oh, coming.
and welcome back from that. So, also, there was a expo recently in Japan that was hosted on Twitch.tv, like a real gamer. Um, and it basically came down to a bunch of announcements from some companies from Japan, which is exciting, mostly for the site. Entirely for me because of exactly one announcement, which I'm into. And then the rest, I'm kind of like, you know what? Eh, it's fine, you know? But that's okay. Matt, yeah, what... it's, not, it's not really for you, Alan. This, it's extremely this new not. Game, this new game expo is not really for you, but it is... It doesn't it have is... The Witcher, is what you're trying it... to tell me. <laughs> yeah, it's got better games. But um, it's, it's the replacement for E3 for the Japanese games industry as such. Not that... It's it's funny actually. I think that this actually helped <laughs> helped the Japanese games games industry a little bit because E three has never been a good thing for the Japanese games industry. Um, they've always had to deal with being overshadowed by all the Western stuff that gets announced. But having their own little you know online event has actually helped highlight a couple of or quite a few really neat games to look forward to by the more niche publishers. Uh, and this one was this one was really good, like. Let's have a look at just some of the announcements. Um, Trails of Cold Steel on the Switch was announced, which is great. That's Trails of Cold Steel 4 on the Switch, which is a really big thing. A new East game, which is spelled yeah. out by this. East, East 9, um, Monstrum Nox, because East wasn't bad enough title. No. I had to add Monstrum <laughs> Nox. <laughs> Monstrum Nox. Fair, the entire series is known for doing that. Like yeah. a <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain how much I hate this as a concept of like let's make a title that was already fucked, <laughs> like it's already fucked, and let's add another word to it, and let's make it in Latin as well. Let's let's yeah. give it a whirl. Let's see how that goes. It's actually a good yeah. game though. It's a good game. Oh, oh, yeah. it is, but East is a, East is, East is a great series. <laughs> it is. It is a great series, and you should probably play East Eight uh, if you haven't already. It's a. It's probably the best one, or especially for new players into the series, definitely worth checking out. You should also um, play Kingdoms of Avalais, a remnant of the of the Scrand. There. That sounds really real. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you know what? The um, joke fell flat on itself as I was. It did. It did. <laughs> Moving on. Let's just uh, let's just muzzle Alan for a second. Um, Axis Games. Axis Games has quite a few good things coming. They've got a couple of Otomi games that they're um, localizing. Pierre and Cafe Enchante, uh, Collar times Malice, that came out actually this week. And there's another one coming out in August from that series. There's a game which I have no idea what it actually is, but it sounds good to me. Pretty Princess Party. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I am certainly intrigued by the title. I'm, and I'm also myself right now to say that sounds atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> and also from Axis, they are localizing Criminal Girls X, which is I uh, okay. No, I'm gonna unmuzzle myself. I, I, I'm amazed <laughs> that they're actually localizing that. Yeah, Good it's really bored of them to try. Well, I mean, Axis is the one that also localized Schoolgirl, Zombie Hunter, and a whole bunch of other games that just you just don't imagine any other publisher would touch with a 10-foot pole. So I love Axis. Thank you, Axis. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Alan really wants to say things, but he's been, <laughs> he's been silenced right now. Uh, Spike Chunsoft is a great publisher. As they proved last year, they had a really kind of breakout year last year with the stuff that they were publishing. They're going to continue this year. They've got ReZero, which is a good-looking game. 
And also Shirin the Wanderer, Tower of Fortune and the Dice of Fate, which is a very long and silly title. But Shirin the Wanderer is the original mystery dungeon roguelike, and having that on the Switch is going to be really neat. That's actually on the Vita as well, but oh, nobody so plays the Vita. That, that is the Vita game, okay. I it is the Vita actually, game. I'm surprised you didn't say the whole title for ReZero. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a long title. Re-Zero re, re, re starting life in another world, the prophecy of the throne. It that's has, a great name. It has both a hyphen and also... <laughs> and a, a colon. <laughs> colon. It's got two colons. It's, it's, got, it's got a subtitle and a paragraph, paragraph it's afterwards. It's got two it's, colons. <laughs> in the title. It has two colons. Who <laughs> edits this shit? Could you imagine? Could you imagine the box art? Could you just imagine it's just like one title? The whole box art is just the title because they can't fit anything else on there. It's great. I love it. What fucks me off about this, right? Is that if I was like marking a student's work in year five, I would mark them down for that. Having too many like colons in its fucking title. That like, no, it's fine. I'm gonna muzzle myself again. Goodbye. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> there were also a couple of small individual announcements. Uh, there's a new Harvest Moon coming. We just spoke in the last section about how Harvest Moon is the not good one, but hopefully this one is not not good. Um, Fairy Tale was shown off. There was a, a new trailer for Catherine, which comes out next month. Uh, but the main one of the individual kind of small announcement. Well, there's two actually. Fight Crab is coming on Ooh, Switch. Fight Crab, yes. Fight Crab. Fight Crab's actually the same developer that made Ace of Seafood, which if you haven't played Ace of Seafood before, you absolutely must play Ace of Seafood. It is a masterpiece of everything that Alan hates in video yeah, games. It's like Star Fox with subtly things. Yeah, yeah, it's like Star Fox but done badly, but done badly on purpose, so it's funny. Um with That sounds just bad. With fish shooting good. lasers out of their eyes. It sounds very bad. Yeah, but you're really it's understanding. It's art, so it's okay. It's a masterpiece of bad, Alan. That's the point. And Fight Crab looks much the same. It's no, Fight Crab crazy. is like at least hilarious in concept because it's just a giant enemy crab fighting game. Which It's been a meme in the in like the oven for almost 13 no 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 it's it's not just crabs fighting it's crabs fighting with swords alan no i'm aware it's a giant enemy crab but you play as the enemy crab and i love that that's fucking sick <laughs> and finally this, uh this, this, entire... this is probably the best moment in this whole event was uh goichi suda got up on stage to talk about no more heroes 3 and show off some new trailer <laughs> footage of no more heroes 3 which is a game that we are all very much looking forward to because goichi suda is a legend and he's amazing and then uh for his little demonstration of no more heroes 3 goichi suda decided to just stand in front of the footage so nobody could actually see anything he did the equivalent of like man getting hit by football but in front yeah. of like everyone internationally it's really good. <laughs> it was great. He's uh, he's a one-of-a-kind, he's Mr. Goichi Suda. I, I... I respect a man who would willingly make his game look like shit just for a meme. <laughs> like, that's so good. I love that. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Not a legend. Bye, but anyway, cool. you should look forward to No More Heroes 3 anyway. We all know it's going to be good. So he can pull off that stunt by standing in front of the footage and everybody knows it's still going to be good anyway. So just look forward to that. That's a big Japanese game that's going to be Wasn't cool. Wasn't the first screenshot for that game revealed in a really weird way as well? Yeah, he does that. It's he does that a lot. He's just Tim and Eric, but if he 
like was actually promoting a product rather than just making a fucking insane TV show. It's great. I, like I mean, it. he just he just likes trolling at this point. I think. <laughs> Have you played his games? That's <laughs> his mo. He made a game like where the entire point was that you're a killer, but also you're seven killers. It's pretty cool. It's a good game. It's also on Steam. Buy on Steam. It's on sale right now. Buy Killer Seven on Steam right now. Killer Seven is a legitimate like. Okay, it, it is it is genuine art that one. Uh, it's, it's it's both also it's both really a massive shit. Really, <laughs> it's it's both a really really good game, and it also has like some really strong commentary in there about imperialisms and all kinds of other stuff. It's a, it's this psychological thriller thing where you play as like um, a an assassin, but there's like seven different personalities in that assassin, and each personality is different, uh, and you can swap between them. But yeah, the broader story is actually quite dense and stuff. It's Goichi Suda is that interesting kind of character where all of his games, people, most people like them, um, but they don't generally think about them that much, if that makes sense. But all of his games are actually quite smart. Like Lollipop Chainsaw, example, for in, I was waiting example. for you to mention Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course I was going to mention What are you, Where is the countdown to Lollipop Chainsaw? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he isn't announcing a new Lollipop Chainsaw. But anyway, Lollipop Chainsaw is like, this game about a cheerleader and she goes around doing the Buffy thing, killing zombies and with, with a chainsaw. That's where the name comes from. Surprise. But she also does eat lollipops surprisingly enough. She does, but everybody chalks it up as this kind of, um, fan servicey exploitative oh, game. Uh, but when you actually fair. play it, oh, on when the you play it, it's a TD game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. On the that, that's the point. On the surface, it is all of those things, but uh, when you actually play it, you realize it's kind of the opposite. It's exactly a subversion of all of that stuff, and it's really clever. And it's done. It was actually written by James Gunn, the director of the Defenders Marvel the Guardians series. Of the gallery. Guardi- uh, sorry, Guardians of the Gallery. Apparently, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Like the director of that series actually wrote Lollipop Chainsaw. So. It's a, it comes from a smart place. It's very subversive. It's very intelligent. And it goes to show that Goichi Suda's games, they always have this reputation for being one thing, and then he always does something to completely flip things around. So, so on, on the yeah. line of accidental titty games, um, I played Soul Calibur Six for the first time today, and that is the most... I didn't realize that was a titty game until, like, way too late, and I saw Ivy, and I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> And also the that's writing. A is, that's a very that's a very Goichi Suda game. Yeah, no. The thing is, that the writing is not good enough to justify that because I played Geralt's campaign because I was like, hell yeah, Geralt's in the game, and the entire campaign was just, wow, I'm I've been teleported by a sorceress. Oh, it's, it's not Geralt, it's Gerald. It's Geraldo de Rivaldo. Please say his full name. <laughs> it's Jerry of the River. No, it's Geralt of Bivia. <laughs> <laughs> I like Soul, I like Soul Calibur Six. Soul Calibur it's a really fun game. game. It's it just is. that it is a extreme tit game. <laughs> like the I bought the two B. Oh, dude, six. you you really should never play Dead or Alive if you think I'm, Soul Calibur Six. I'm not going to play Dead or Alive. <laughs> no, I bought the two B DLC, and she has like a ultimate attack right where she explodes, like the black box thing, like in the game, and it just explodes her dress, and she just shows her, her thighs. <laughs> extreme. Yeah, that's a game. It's a video game right there. Buy that one. It's really fun to play, though. <laughs> like, but also completely unrelated to New Game Expo. <laughs> there was no, no Soul Calibur Six. It's still fun. There was though. no Soul. There was no Soul Calibur Six announcement there. Anyway, that was a oh, that was a pretty uh, good event. 
But we're not talking about the best thing, which was unrelated to the new game expo. The world ends with you anime. Yeah. No, be more excited. Be like, it's, it's like the best game is getting a TV show. I think the real winner of this expo is SNK and Ubisoft for the crossover Samurai Showdown DLC from the Warden for For Honor, <laughs> which is out now. You can play as the Warden from For Honor. Aren't I honestly wonder, like, <laughs> I, 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 I was honestly surprised to find that people still play For Honor. I <laughs> <laughs> just saw that announcement. On. Who's that for? <laughs> Honor. Ah. <laughs> who, who, who is like, you know what? I really want Samurai Showdown. I want the For Honor man. I want the man with the big sword from For Honor in my game about Samurai Showdown. I want that. That's the game that I want to play. <sighs> Just, uh, there, you know what? Maybe, maybe people shouldn't have money in this one. Maybe we should just like say you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to buy anything anymore. Cancelled. Cancelled your credit card. You're done. I'm gonna move on to the next section now. Matt, what's the song you want to play? I want to play some music from one of these games that we we're talking about. Oh, let's play music from Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah. What? Yeah. There were so many good choices. Yeah. And it still Lollipop has Chainsaw. a good choice. So recently there was an announcement that uh, this War of Mine, a extremely difficult game to play that everyone should actually really play, is actually being required as a recommended text um, in Polish universities. 
uh, if you're studying a humanitarian subject, so as if you're studying the arts, you're studying history, all that sort of thing. Was you it want... universities or school? It's school? universities. Universities, right? Yeah. Well, because I don't think a, a year seven should probably play that game. That's a bit beyond most year seven children, I feel. Still would be better than playing COD. Yeah, but... But COD's not actually on the reading list either, Trent. <laughs> yeah. I'd be very worried if COD went on the reading list. Exactly. Either. So, um, yeah, we, you know, we've had this interesting thing where, you know, can games be considered as educational texts? I think that they definitely can. And I feel like as a podcast made of 50% teachers, <laughs> yeah, you know, we can have a bit of a chat about this. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for this as a concept because, frankly, we're seeing a push. This is a this is such a niche topic because we're going to talk about policy and education and shit. But basically, at the moment, the... Um, the education system is trying to currently deal with the fact that a lot of texts are being created at a rate far beyond anything in history because of the way that we could distribute texts, because of the way that we have different mediums. So, you know, visual mediums, interactive mediums, uh, written mediums, oral mediums, even through song, um, that sort of thing. And we're seeing a sort of catch-up attempt, I guess you could say, of a lot of curriculum groups trying to sort of make up this uh you know this this huge divide between you know we need to obviously make our our students literate in a whole a great degree of you know written text but also realistically they are going to experience text beyond that medium which is where you know have things like video games like things like film all that sort of thing and we're going to like go over some videos that we might consider to be important as a studying of you know humanities of science of music of art of whatever you know so that's basically where this is coming from um basically to keep this in mind both harvard and myself are teachers um i have done research in film teaching which is obviously not the same thing as uh games teaching just because it is you know it there's there are some superficial similarities in the same way that there's similarities between like a picture book and a film there are similarities between a film and a video game. Um, I so used the resources, Alan. They were really good. Hell yeah, dude. I appreciate that. Um, My class so, was super keen on it. That's awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's that's extremely cool. But basically, yeah, um, that's where I'm coming from as an expert in this situation. Of course, I am still a first-year out teacher, so take what I say with a grain of salt. Um, while I have done research, I'm obviously still new to the profession, new to the entire concept, so... That's what I just want to say before I say anything of greater detail or anything like that. Uh, yeah, that goes for me as well. I am not representative of anything. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's it's one of those things where we can have an, a certain amount of you know authority on this issue, but you know, you should also do further research, which there is limited amounts of, unfortunately, which is why we're sort of able to speculate as much as we can. Um, to begin this off, um, I would say this War of Mine is fantastic as an education source. Um, that game is, it's it's important in understanding, particularly if you live in Poland. Poland is, you know, uh, I, we don't really need to do a history lesson, do we? Basically, Poland's been miserable for most of its existence. It's been, <laughs> yeah, there we go. St- that that explains the us. It's been stuck in the middle of everything bad that's ever happened in the world. It's it's the it's the the unfortunate, very unfortunate thing. If also as a country, they've had a they've had a tough history. So yeah, you know, for them that that game is incredibly important. Um, 
mostly because again a lot of experiences can be sort of transferred in that sort of interactive manner quite well um because i don't know if you've played this war of mine but uh that game is very difficult to play and it's something that i would not recommend that you play for more than an hour a day in all honesty just because like you will stress out especially if you're playing on the harder difficulties like that it does not it does not chill it has it has zero chill and when you play with the the children expansion as well it's very very hard um so yeah that that thing that's a extremely interesting choice and honestly good on them for taking the plunge and saying you know what yes this should be considered an important text because frankly it is um i would then go so far as to say that something like valiant hearts is also quite important to play um it's something that i was actually interested in testing with teaching to year five or six students um mostly because it is accessible enough but also doesn't shy away from the fact that no one wanted to be involved in world war one which i think is a really important thing to sort of keep in mind for a lot of kids because they they see this war and they think oh it's a war we're going to beat the people that we beat you know because that's it's easy to reduce something to that level um but valiant hearts does a really good job of sort of blurring that line extremely hard um and making it clear that no one was winning everyone hated it it sucked it was the worst it was the result of foreign policy that went to shit for about 150 years and it's it's quite impacting i don't know i i really like that game i think it's fantastic um what would you say matt just you know i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you under the bus here yeah (laughs) i mean I, I think I think uh, Valiant Hearts is an excellent one. I think there's another one actually, um, very similar theme. To be honest, eleven uh, eleven memories returned, unturned, um, retold. retold, retold. So that was actually a game that uh, Elijah Wood, the actor, his uh, studio that he set up as a hobby or whatever he wanted to do, they created this thing, which is a pretty powerful game in much the same way that Valiant Hearts is. Um, I'm not an educator, so I don't have any experience in teaching. But I guess one of the things that I'd be interested in seeing uh, schools do better in the sense is engage with video games as a as a text, uh, as a way of telling stories in a way that I guess other mediums can't tell stories. Because one of the things I do remember from school was the fact that we did film as a, as a different way, we looked at film as a different format for telling stories as opposed to standard literature, and we did that in our English classes. Um, I would like to see video games take a role in that as well as another way of framing the storytelling tradition and, I guess, looking at ways that games can tell stories that other video that that other mediums can't. And the one that I always return to as a storytelling game, and it's going to sound perhaps a little bit strange, but I think you guys will get it, is Civilization. No, I respect that. I think Civilization... Uh, Yeah, okay. I think Civilization is an excellent example of being a storytelling experience that can only be done through a video game because it really is a case of you writing the story. And through it, you learn a lot. Um, You learn a lot about how... I guess, cultures grow and develop and also fade. You also get a sense, I guess, about... You, you, you get a f- understanding, I guess, about uh, how politics is shaped within the world through civilization, And it becomes very easy to understand why 
things like um, colonialism is so, was so compelling to a lot of cultures because it was that opportunity to to grow resources and develop stature in the world and to put yourself in a position where you were uh, safe because if you're not colonizing in the civilization game, then you certainly feel like you're running behind the other, other civilizations, which then raises concerns about being invaded and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, through civilization, you get this great explanation about um, how cultures think as a collective and how politics is, is shaped. And I think that it is a fundamentally a storytelling experience, even though there isn't any kind of overt cutscenes or um, those moments. It is a storytelling experience. And I think that engaging with that is a way to look at video games as another way that we can tell stories going forwards as opposed to in a way that film and literature and poetry and music and all the other forms of art can't do so i think I, that's where video games have a have a role to play in the world they still haven't quite got there yet but there, there is some things that are unique to games that i think that education would do well to highlight as games become a more legitimized artistic medium I don't want to pour water on your perfectly formed bonfire, um, but I I don't think that Civ is suited to any classroom in any school in any country in the world because it is too long. <laughs> Playing a game of Civ just takes simply too long, and when you have, you know, let's say four and a half hours of actual teaching in a day that isn't settling your class or isn't, you know, moving between lessons or isn't, you know... Uh, getting packed up at the end of the day, it's just not possible. Um, well, I guess I was probably thinking of it more as a university thing, I guess. Um, yeah, university, I understand that, yeah. I, I respect Because, that. I mean, I, it's been so long ago since uh, I, I was actually involved with school, and on top of that, like I said, I'm not an educator by any means. I, I, I should actually explain, actually. Um, I am a primary school teacher. Harvard is a high school teacher. You school, are the yeah. yeah, Yeah, so, yeah, so that's, that's where we're coming at from in terms of like our perspectives that's why i I'm guess saying timing is an I, issue with sure sure and when i guess i talk about civilization or whatever long games it, it's more i guess uh, i'm looking at it as an educational thing <laughs> and media. something that you yeah something that you can learn from something that gives you insights that perhaps are worthy but um you can't get elsewhere so yeah i mean for, for shorter games uh, i don't know <laughs> i don't know um the thing is the thing is i think i think the problem sorry just to quickly before we jump over to what harvard said wants to say i i think that the issue that video games have as an educational thing is that to be entirely blunt 99 percent of video games have stories that are are inferior vastly (laughs) inferior to to what other mediums have done well i mean everybody's losing their minds over the Last of Us, at yeah, that's but at, at, be- at best, Last of Us is a very off brand. Off brand, the road. Um, and <laughs> why? Why? If it, let's in this hypothetical sense where you want to give students oh, something dying. like the road to study, why would you just not give them the road? The what's road. the point? Of, what's the point of giving them um, the Last of Us unless you want to do some kind of comparative thing? But the comparative thing is just that the Last of Us is a pretty crappy version of the road. So yeah, it's. Um, I, I think that's an issue that video games have when it when we talk about them as educational things. Most of them just aren't up to the standard of other other art forms. Matt, that's being blunt as somebody who loves games. <laughs> you don't understand it, Matt. In a world 
of games that are just John Wick, we have The Last of Us 2, which is the Schindler's List of video games. A game you know the, that you is... Know the funniest, game, no, I'm, let me finish the my... Fun, let me the funniest finish my thing bit. about that tweet... The funniest thing about that tweet is, tweet is he's denying that The Road is the John Wick and he's saying that it's Schindler's List. But the... Oh, sorry, he, The Last of Us. But The Last of Us 2 has absolutely nothing to do with Schindler's List. But it is exactly the same as it's the, a revenge the John story. Wick. It's a revenge story about outrunning your past. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that guy was an idiot. He blocked me on Twitter. Good. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm quite glad. Wow. I'm quite glad. <laughs> like, that, that shit fucking yeets me into the sun. Honestly, that, this is the issue. You have you have a lot of people who say the games are you know, worthwhile of studying, and then you have games that are held up as like the... Oh, Savannah. Like, you know, it's a lion sort of thing. And it's like, it's it's just okay. <laughs> like, the story's pretty good. That's fine. I would maintain The Witcher 1 should be studied in schools. Moving on, Harvard. The one you man say? <laughs> like The Witcher what? 1. Harvard, you were going to say something then, sorry, before I butted in and oh, went on a team. Uh, well, it's not really relevant anymore, but on the thing about Civ being too long, I think the good thing about games is that if you set them for homework, the, the students will actually play them. Whereas okay. if you set a book as required reading, the student's not going to read it. Uh, so, <laughs> What does that say about our society? I mean... <laughs> no, but Mark, it's good because I feel like, I wanna, like our text... I, I want to like shut you down, but that's not the case for every class. Some classes will oh. still say you to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Plus some kids may not have access to like computers. Also, or, yeah, it's, it's or... a fairly that's true. Yeah, that's thing. Fair. Yeah. What I should happen though is so we've got the sport periods. Is we should get rid of the sport period. We should turn that to an e-sport period. Yeah, go with me on this. And then we play Civilization for like the two hours or whatever sport normally is, and we're set. Trent, I don't want to say that's the worst idea I've ever heard, but it's the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking like an educator right it's now, and it's going to happen. <laughs> that is. Oh, God. Something positive, though, is that there are actually a lot of games being used in high school at the moment, and one of the one of the ones that is seeing a lot of good usage is actually Bastion, surprisingly, because yeah. that game does something so interesting with the idea of the narrator that we don't see it in film or books. The fact that you can have someone narrating your story and then meets the narrator in game, and it forces you to recontextualize everything that you're playing and you're seeing. It's it's what Matt was saying, it's unique to games. And the same with the Stanley Parable, the fact that we're using these games that are using the language of games to uniquely tell a story, I think that's something really positive that we can look to in the future. I want to maintain that the narrator thing was done first in The Witcher 2. <laughs> because Dandelion narrates with your quest journal. It came out I have a question. Is is dead or alive in the school no, curriculum? Matt, it should no, it should totally no. it should banned. totally be in the super duper band. It should it should totally be in the curriculums. I think you can learn a lot from dead or alive. I think I'll, yeah, but how long we'll that guy do, to that. do a close study of dead or alive. It's it, the the closer the study, the better. This is a bit I of a close study means what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of an offshoot, but like, do you see that? The, the lawsuit against Twitch right now by that guy. Who oh, yeah, I did, I did, I did. That was hilarious. Just uh, quickly contextualizing oh. for people who are listening. No, 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 no. The leave podcast. it at that. No, leave it at that. <laughs> you, you should absolutely Google search this guy that's suing Twitch because he follows like 500 
um, 500 women on, on Twitch and he's very upset because they're all turning him on permanently. And the funniest thing is if you read the lawsuit, it is hilarious because in the lawsuit, one of his allegations is that, um, oh, I don't know if I can actually say it on the podcast, um, he he started, he started, he, he put his computer on fire. His computer caught fire because he was watching some women on Twitch. And I will let you figure out the means in which the computer... Now, I just want to back up here, because I read the thing, and I just want to know, how does a computer start on fire from that? Like, I want to see a Mythbusters <laughs> show, which it fully explores. Trent, it's a lot of that... cut. <laughs> it's just a lot of cut. <laughs> yeah, he but most have... people have a keyboard. Like, your keyboard's not going to catch on fire. Like... Uh, yeah, I, I was just wondering, how does it actually get into the computer to, yeah. to short-circuit it? And then... uh... Maybe it's a laptop. Like it's like it's seeped in from the keyboard and it's like a laptop and Don't it's say like seep. Oh, well, that's God. look. That's what happens. That's what happens in IT. People spill things on keyboards, and then you know stuffs inside your keyboard when you pull it apart and take it to an IT shop, and you're just like, I don't know what's in here, and then you're just like, Ugh. okay. So like, obviously, this guy has like a lot of problems, and I hope he gets help. But at the same time, my guy. Like, come I on. mean, he, he probably would have been all right if he played Dead or Alive at school. If he studied Dead or Alive at school, he probably would have been okay. But... I don't want to See, the problem on... is maybe he did play games at school, but he played STEM games. Let's talk about yeah. that. Like, seriously, education yeah. has a very... Um, I know it's slowly getting better, and yes, we're talking about textualizing things, and, you know, good on us look, for looking at, like, English subjects as actually fun subjects instead of, like, making your soul die because they're like, let's write this comparison to something you're not oh, no interested. we still do that we still do that yeah. yeah but but stem stem is basically like let's let's use games in school and then it's like became this whole weird stem thing like minecraft you've got like roblox you've got um you know all the other weird sort of like slightly cody but still a video game really and Teachers don't really use them how they should be used. They're used as essentially babysitting methods like iPads are. There is iPads are not co uh, content creation devices. They are content consumption devices. And people which use them in schools are not... Like, it's... They're babysitting tools to be like, oh, here you go. You've got this, like, app. Let's play this app. And bam, done. Like, it's I not... Think that, I, no, I'm I, think, I, think, I think this might be a reflection on Tamworth rather than the education system. <laughs> no. To well, be honest, no, New South Wales system as a whole, and you know it. But basically, STEM is approached as this cool thing, but because it is cool. games aren't uh, games aren't really explored as a proper STEM tool. It's more as a oh, this is cool. This is somewhat half related. I, I feel like there's more which can be done, and STEM is just like the easy way out for gaming. I just want to defend my entire like career right now. <laughs> so, I'm not going to say anything. True. Basically, what you're seeing right now is the results of being in the Wild West, essentially, of a genre, of a medium. Like, I don't... You can't expect people who are being teachers to know everything about a genre right away, because realistically, that's not how culture works. And it's also... It, it is so crushing to assume that a teacher should know everything because that's not how we work or how people work at all. So, like, 
you know, it's it's very, very easy to say, you know, oh, it's it's hard to incorporate video games into the curriculum. That's because the curriculum's fucked already. Like, it's hard. It's also, also worth remembering it, that it's all new, as in yeah. video games, as, a, as an art form in particular. It is it's, it's, it is very new. years old. And if you, can, if you can imagine what school systems would have been like to try and engage with film in the 30s and 40s, um, you, I, I could imagine it would not have gone down. It would not have gone well. So... Yeah, let's all go down to a local we should uh, always, play we should and all, watch a puppet show. <laughs> we, sh- we should all remember that. Um, we should all remember that video games is still very new as an art form, and it's something that education education is a very conservative uh, environment at the best Especially of times. Especially when under a conservative government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to. If you think about it this way, while. we still teach books from the eighties and nineties, and there's no games from the eighties and nineties that we would teach. So we wait another twenty years until we teach books from the nows. And then we've got stuff stuff to do, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I guess. Mean, I guess just as a, a as a final comment, I mean, I guess the one thing that I am concerned with with this engagement with um, with games is that we don't stop engaging with other art forms, and already, um, I get a sense that there is a. At least in Australia, the the prolonged and aggressive attack towards more traditional art forms uh, may filter through to. I mean, it's not even a prolonged well. one. It's just like a it's a giant middle finger. Yeah, pretty it's, much. It's so, just, fuck off. I mean, I, I would be quite I would be quite disappointed if schools and at the educational institutions started to to preference video games over, you know, in, introducing kids to theatre um, and It'll to. Don't worry. And, and to and to you know books like Shakespeare or just reading in general. I mean, one thing is there is a if if you educate kids well, they'll learn themselves from video games. Is the one other thing I want to say, like because video games is the mass media and it is the thing that people play because it's entertainment and it's something that everybody gets exposed to anyway. Um, I think that the the requirement that we represent games in schools is less simply because if the kids are um, inquisitive and well-educated enough anyway, that's something they're going to discover for themselves. Whereas I think with other art forms, especially, I guess, in the lower socioeconomic um, areas... Why is a lot more to play a video game than it does to buy a book for $10? No, but I'm talking more theatre. I mean, how many kids from, you know... um, Schools provide that. A lot of schools will provide theatre. Well, that's the thing. Schools, pro- schools provide it. They wouldn't get those opportunities otherwise. Uh, video games, they are across basically every part of our culture, uh, our, our society. They're a lot more accessible. So it is important, I think, that schools don't, in their in their interest to engage with kids, they don't forget that you know their other art forms are pretty important as well. I think it's that's like good somewhere from spot. like the eighty memes oh. with like the with the hats on the back. It's like yo, fellow kids, and it's like yeah, that kind of stuff. Where they put the sit on the seat the backwards way. Yeah, it really does feel like that because sometimes you tell a kid about a game, and the kid knows more about it than you do, and you just have to to adapt <laughs> no, to that. No, that's not true because I'm a. Gamer. That's 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 when you break out. That's when you break out. Because <laughs> I'm a I'm a huge gamer. I've got a very big e tag. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you. That, that's where you break out your conversational abilities around dead or alive and stuff. No kids that, play that's that. That's why I bring so. out the fact that I played Smash in a tournament once and won by accident.
And welcome back. So, okay, important to know this is just going to be Matt yelling. This segment. <laughs> I want to make it very clear that I tend to agree with him. <laughs> but ostensibly, this segment is going to be shouting because, as it turns out, extremely corporate games generally don't turn out to be good art. Matt. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the mic to you before I pass out. <sighs> yeah, let's talk about The Last of Us Two. Um, it's it's out, uh, and like we kind of mentioned in the previous segments, um, people are going batshit over it. Basically, they're just in love with this thing, or they're absolutely convinced that even if they didn't enjoy it, because it's deep themes, dark themes. Oh, um, it's the dark theme of you should be sad if you kill someone. Well, that's this is the thing, right? This this game has somehow managed to convince an awful lot of otherwise very smart people that it's deep and meaningful simply because it makes you, makes, you, makes you feel a little bit bad. No, I'm talking about not that idiot that wrote about compared it to Schindler's List, but I'm talking about you know just general people, people who are perfectly smart people who are you know perfectly well adjusted, don't think video games are like Schindler's List people. They the game they, with Funko Pops. <laughs> the main characters is like shit. <laughs> yeah, they, a lot of people are convinced that because this game made them feel bad, uh, or was uh, a little bit confronting in terms of its extreme violence, it must therefore be this this masterpiece of art. And it happens every time a big AAA game gets released. And funnily enough, just before we record this podcast, they. Embargo lifted on the big preview session for Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, I'm so excited for that game. And you can just tell the conversations are going to be exactly the same around that game as well. It happens every time a big uh, blockbuster you can, comes out. You can have a two different dick, dick styles. You can style your dick differently. You can, give cool. different, you can give different pubic hair to your characters as I well. I did see that. And, you can go for and the afro, you can it go said, for the... Yeah, well, it said there was a bunch of options, and I asked if there was the possibility of doing, like, twin tails, but nobody responded to me, so I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I can't <laughs> This is like him when... Um... Seriously, for that question. <laughs> Why did nobody take that question seriously? It was a genuine question I wanted to know. Anyway, point being... <laughs> Cyberpunk 27.7 is going to have that same conversation. We're going to see that same conversation with Ghost of Tsushima comes out because somebody out there, well, not just somebody, quite a few people out there are going to be convinced that this is some masterpiece of art. It happens every single time a AAA game gets released. And the thing is that none of these games are that good as works of art. They're not that masterful. They're not masterpieces. People were talking about how Spider-Man was this great masterpiece of video games. And Spider-Man game. <laughs> now, Spider-Man Spider was great. I really genuinely enjoyed Spider-Man, and I'm not a big fan of you know open-world games, um, but I really did enjoy that one. I thought it was a lot of fun, had great action. The Even the, the side quest stuff was um, less annoying than in most open-world games. But to call that a masterpiece is just... It's really on the nose, and it actually, it's kind of insulting to people creating stuff that actually has some kind of potency to it, some stuff that actually has some thought that, that goes into, I guess, the artistic side of things, that but these Matt, AAA blockbusters can just occupy everybody's attention. And then all of a sudden, The Last of Us comes out and it's this, this great work of art, whereas all the... And nobody actually talks about the, um, the next tier below and the indie games 
as as being anywhere in the possibility of being you know masterpieces it's yeah but it, Matt, it's the conversation so many people around... worked on these games so many man hours surely they deserve some recognition like well that's they, the thing got... i do i do reckon i gave the last of us fucking five out of five um i i recognize the work that goes into them i recognize the fact that they're entertaining and as products they're actually very well made putting aside the fact that the last of us two crunched a bunch of people nearly to death um the the results are there and i don't think anybody in their right mind could deny that but i think it's this this lack of uh, ability to differentiate between a very good quality entertainment product and a work of art which is exclusive to video games and to be honest as young as video games are and we were just talking about how young they were in the last segment um they're not that young that we should be confusing entertainment for artistic value at this stage i mean video games have been around for what in the mainstream for 40 years now so it's about time that people grew up and started talking about video games in a little bit different Never way it's the same fair, way that's an issue with all geek culture though like you say oh it's just video games but like marvel movies like people True. don't uh, see that they're entertainment products. They're like, yes, this is a great work of art. I want to see Iron Man die. I mean, what? Um, and then, yeah, like they don't see that it's really just there for entertainment. Like, true. The, this is true, uh, and I, I certainly not think media literate. That's the issue. There, there were a lot of there were a lot of people that has there a were, with society in general. <laughs> there were a lot of people that certainly talked about both the Star Wars and the the Marvel thing as being these great works of cinema art and whatever. And obviously they're pretty stupid about that. But the thing is with the film industry, there's a whole other group of people that are quite happy to say, no, you're kind of wrong. And a good example of that is my man, Martin Scorsese, who came out and said, <laughs> basically, no, the Avengers films are actually shit. And, um, a, a lot of people gave him heat for that, but the point was that that was, you know, somebody in the industry actually standing up for films as artworks and kind of suggesting, hey, you know, just because the Avengers made a billion dollars doesn't mean it's a Citizen Kane of cinema. And I think that... Oh, God, I hate that. It's like citizen. the Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I hate that. Who's, I don't think anybody in the industry actually called Druckmann out for being a bit of a, a tool about The Last of Us 2. Uh, especially when he went after um, a journalist for kind of playing along with this. Jason uh, Scryer. Yeah, yeah, Jason Scryer. So M Neil Druckmann went out and took a swing at Jason because Jason made a joke about how stupid that comment was that compared The Last of Us 2 to Schindler's List. And Matt, Matt, I don't think you want to say it's really... When you make comments like that, it, yeah. it hurts the industry. It was it was whining and self-important, and the, the point is that in the film industry there is that kind of level of accountability where if people start being stupid about comparing popular things to art, um, then the, there is that call out. Whereas in the video game industry that doesn't happen, and that I think is because the video game industry is a lot more aligned to this idea that popular thing is therefore quality thing, and it's important to understand that there's two different types of quality here. The Last of Us 2 can be a very entertaining thing or a very high-quality uh, product that doesn't make it a high-quality work of art. And that difference, I think, is being lost in just about every conversation that happens in this, this industry. So peace out. I'm done. That's it. 
he's done. But Matt, I don't think you understand. He wrote a game that makes people just a little bit sad. <laughs> it made me a little bit sad too. I mean, for one thing, it was the fact that it was thirty fucking hours long. Yeah, but it was extremely it, long for no reason. It's, it's stupidly oh, long. About about game lives. Did you see that there was like an article which said that um, a, um, PlayStation executive or something said something like uh, games, AAA games, would need to be shorter uh, yeah. or not make money Good. anymore. No, he's right. Really good. Kind of right. But also pay the pay the management and marketing teams less. But also good. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, uh, there's there's an issue with a lot of games at the moment, and I I'm fully aware that as someone who defends God of War 2018, I'm fully aware that I'm part. But of that's it. a good example, Alan. I think that's I like an excellent that game. game. It's a lot of fun. Like a genuine lot of fun. I really enjoyed God of War. But is it a work of art? Yes. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good, but no. I also go. Even just, I know that you don't like The Witcher Three, but I do because I think it's in- culturally important for like. But that's Eastern European kind of, stuff. And Alan, I'm going to call you. Value. Alan, I'm going to call you out on this because yeah. that's the point. I I like The Witcher Three. I gave The Witcher Three a very high score. I played it twice. I played the bloody Switch version, which is not a very good port. I it's played it. Good port. It's just not the ideal way to play the game. Exactly. It's like playing the it's like playing the Java phone version of like Far Cry Two. But know? I don't play I don't play games that I don't like more than once, and I played The Witcher twice uh, right through. So I think it's a good game. I don't think that it's a Citizen Kane of video games. You know, I think um, it's important culturally though. I think it's ridiculous to suggest that every game should be the X of Y. No, I don't no, think every like, game should stop. important culturally. I don't think that pop culture is very important culturally, and I think that's a different discussion. And I don't think culture, that every it's, game. It's Eastern European folk culture. <laughs> I don't think that every video game should be trying to be a great work of art either. And I said that about Druckmann. I don't think that. I, I don't think it's a problem that he's not a great artist, and I don't think that if he was, you know, if he was open to the idea that you know he he doesn't have to be a great great artist, then I think that that's a good thing. I. I I think that there should be a recognition that there is a difference between an art product and an entertainment product. And if we don't have that line where we can discuss these things in relevance to what they actually are, then we actually just end up having very shallow conversations as a result. The Witcher 3 doesn't need to be an art gallery video game for it to be worthy. If you like. If you have knowledge of Eastern European folklore, that's my bit. That's my one bit. It is an incredibly high adaptation of a Pulp Fiction book series. No, it's and... not an adaptation. It's a continuation of the story, Matt. It's, it's based upon folklore from the entire region of Eastern Europe. But it's, it's important. The Witcher, the it's Witcher adaptation is... and uh, the understanding Witcher. of culture. The, the Witcher is pop culture. It is pulp. It is, it is. That is not to say it is not legitimate and not valuable, and it is. But it's like saying the game. It's like saying Game of Thrones is Tolkien. It is not. Ga- yeah, these are different things. Game of Thrones is entertainment, and it's great. Isn't a very high quality of cultural like folklore for like thousands of years. That's the difference. Well, ga- actually, Game of Thrones actually is built on an awful lot of that. So, yeah, but it's shit. <laughs> but the point is, we. <laughs> In, in literature, we don't expect Game of Thrones to be Lord of the Rings. We hold these things in different esteem for different reasons. And that's the point. We need to hold video games in different esteem for different reasons. The Last of Us 2 is 
well worth the steam. And I genuinely think that. And it, it always gets lost because I say things that are critical of Last of the, the Last of Us 2, so people think I don't like it. I think it is a very worthy product. But it makes me feel bad, sure. But then so does Papers, Please. And Papers, Please is a genuine work of art that needs to be discussed as a work of art. And to say they're both works of art is to actually undermine the conversation and suggest that they're equivalent. They're not equivalent. They need to be judged differently. So that's my point. That's what I'm getting at. And I I don't know how many other ways I need to try to talk around it until people actually kind of get what I'm saying here. But so the idea is that criticism means that you hate the game and you cannot like it at all. That's the, the way that the industry goes at this point. Well, there's that, and there's also if I don't say something is a work of art, then it's it's a, it's a criticism. But it's not a criticism well, to say something's not a work of art. Didn't like, you didn't you get a an, an email from Sony saying that they wanted to use a quote from your article, your review of Last of Us, saying it's flawless? Yes, and it was like contextually <laughs> just not. That's not what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is flawless yeah. from a gameplay perspective in terms of the button pressing stuff. There then we go. I, I had, there that's, was nothing I could fault about it. Um, that is the inherent like lack of value within you know the media cycle. It's almost like everything, everything comes down to the media being fucking just insipid and stupid and focusing on things that don't matter. Uh, one thing about games is. Uh, I think some. I think Daniel Floyd made this point, which was that games reviewers and Metacritic, especially, pick out really vapid phrases for their reviews. So they'll just say something like "it's great" or "it's a must-play." Whereas if you look at the equivalent film, they'll pick a quote that actually references some kind of film terminology. So they'll say the cinematography is amazing, or like the themes of this are conveyed in the film, but no one would ever say that for a game quote. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is... And it would be like, this game has great tits, but also it made me sad. <laughs> I think I think part of that is actually we haven't really established much language around the video games as well. I mean, if you look at cinema, you can talk about things like mise-en-scene, you can talk about uh, cinematography, you can talk about that there's a whole lot of thought and uh, literature that has gone into understanding and analyzing film we don't have that with video games yet we're starting to get a little bit of it i mean i know it be it, it quickly became a bit of a joke but when there was that conversation about ludo narrative dissonance there we go I expected. that 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 was a worthy thing to talk about and i think that it became a joke because people misused it because a lot of critics are idiots and don't really understand what they're talking about but and then this the bioshock is, is the citizen Kane. yeah so that was a, a start. We still got a way to go there before we'll get to that point. Literally, but... every AAA game review is like, "This game is a citizen game of video games." <laughs> it's a very think, overused phrase. <laughs> I, ironically, I think we actually need to find that citizen game of video games before we'll actually get to that point where we have that break between what is an entertainment product and perfectly fine to be that, and what is a work of art and needs to be judged as a work of art. Because the other thing that we haven't really talked about yet is when you look at a work of art, you're not necessarily talking about whether it makes you, you know, how it entertains you. That's a different discussion. Works of art are often very unentertaining because, I mean, I, <laughs> I assume you've all seen Citizen Kane, but it is a fucking boring film. It, oh, is it a, sucks. <laughs> it is absolutely painful to watch. It is not a great film to watch, but it is a work of art. And we discuss it not because whether we don't discuss whether it makes us you know, entertained. We discuss whether you know, it, its value as a work of art. So I think that the industry won't get to where it needs to 
as a as an artistic medium until we're able to talk about these things in different terms. Well, maybe the industry is looking in the wrong place. Like you know, um, I mean, if near, they, near, if near, near it, Automata hey, is hey. near Automata is clearly the video, uh, Citizen Kane of video games. <laughs> well, even all I those games. Also, so we're ending the podcast game. on that line. That's the end. Of the <laughs> game. All right. Well, thank, thanks for the, thanks for coming to the podcast, everyone. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. It was well, really... Does that mean we can have some near automatic? Yes, music that, to that's literally yeah. what I was aiming for. <laughs> you just want near 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 music. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a good song. near remakes coming soon too. Don't forget that, everybody. Wait, is it actually what? Yeah, the they're making a. Over. They're making a remake sure of Neo. It's kind just of... dream that. It's on the nope. Switch, isn't it? It's but it's, isn't it the shit version? Is what? am I understanding? There's two versions of Near or whatever. And oh, like here the... we go. Okay, so here's the story of Near. Original Near was the Japanese Near, and in Japanese, in Japanese Near, it was tiny baby was it, boy version. It was brother okay. and sister, wasn't it? it was like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like so, a teenager. In in Nier, you play as the brother and you're looking out to save your sister and stuff. It's basically the same game. It just recasts the, the main protagonist. They thought that for the Western release, brother and sister relationship dynamic, not really something that will resonate the way that Yoko Taro wanted them to. So they then got Cranky Dad and Cute Little Girl um, daughter as the, 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 the dynamic that kind of drives the narrative. That is, for whatever reason something that a lot of people found very distressing in terms of, oh, this is bad localization. How dare they change the game? Something, something, something. So anyway, um, fast forward the remake, which is absolutely happening and was not a dream. It is, it is a thing. Um, I believe that is daddy daughter near. I've actually heard the reverse. I've I've heard that the, the, the father daughter one was the original and the, the brother sister was because Japan didn't have a lot of older protagonists at the time. Look, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's in the but chronologi- chronologically, that wouldn't make sense. Oh my sense god, I try to Japanese end the podcast and no one's listening to me. <laughs> I'm just rambling now. It's my it's fucking mind. <laughs> okay, just, bye everybody. Just thanks edit, for doing a post. <laughs> thanks, thanks for tuning in, everybody. It was a really good podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you, and we'll see god. you next month. <laughs>